Hello, welcome to a Mother Summit podcast. Thank Today you. November 5th, 2020. And my guest is Yolanda. Welcome Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, how are you, great people? Awesome mothers. <laughs> yes, yes. It is a pleasure to connect with you on this morning, Yolanda. Um, I know that you and I talked off the record, you know, just talked about a little bit of your testimony and um, I just wanted you to give a little bit about it. But prior to doing that, what makes you feel inspired as a mother? I would say my children inspire me as a mother. Um, I want to be the best for them because if I'm my best, I totally believe they'll be their best. That doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean there's gonna things are not gonna happen. Life is definitely gonna happen, but they start. I want to be my best just for them, so they can see, um, and my, I can model for them what needs to be done. Because uh, a lot is more caught than taught. So um, everyone, including your children, are looking at you. They're looking at what you're doing instead of what you're saying. Um, so my actions are lined up with what I'm saying. Um, so that's what inspires me to keep going and just to keep um, being the best that I can, the best person, not necessarily the best mother, but the best person for them. Perfect. That sounds yeah. good. Um, and so what are the challenges that you have faced as a mother? And then how did you overcome it? Right? Those oh, are two wow. questions in one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I would say I dealt with everything as a mother. Um, uh, some backstory is that um, I married young. I was uh, 14 years old when I married and um, to my ex-husband and literally started having uh, children immediately. So I had married in March. April, I was pregnant, had my first son in um, January. And then um, just kept going from there. Uh, our marriage lasted about roughly 20 years with some separation in those years. Um, and then we finally just got divorced. Um, while we were separated, I'm gonna say maybe four or five years before we officially divorced. And that's when my singlehood and single motherhood started. Mm -hmm. um, I became a single mother like at 29, I'm gonna say. I was 29 years old, so it was me and five children. I have four boys and one girl, and they were young. So the oldest at that time was probably 13. Yeah, and the youngest was like three. Okay. So immediately I found myself in a situation, I was by myself. And because I married young, I've never been by myself. I was went from mom's house to marriage, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm by myself. And I wasn't equipped to um, have any, I didn't know anything really. Even though I was married and doing the mother thing, I didn't know how to be on my own. And just depending on literally my faith in God, like, okay, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know. So I had to find a place to say, um, and even during those times, I can see God's hand in everything. Like I literally saw an ad in the paper for a three bedroom apartment, <laughs> went to ask the man, I was barely working and I was like, we need a place. 
And at that time, rent was like a thousand, thousand and ten, uh, $1,050. That's how much my rent was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how I was going to pay it. I didn't know. I was like, it's just going to get paid. I said, I may have to pay for it. And I, he was like, no. Um, he said, no, you're a good person. So I'll work with you. This is my first interaction with being on my own. And he was like, you take the babies and you go. <laughs> so we packed up our bags. We had bags. We didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And we moved it to our first apartment. Mind you, we were moving out of the home that um, we shared with their father and my ex-husband. So I'm thinking like he's going to help because he had promised to help and, you know, move us about and things like that. Like, I'll help you move and anything. So on the day that we moved, he was MIA. Was there, called him, nothing, no nothing. Like, and I was like, okay, so I'm really on my own with this. So I gathered all of them. I was like, come on, let's grab these bags. And they didn't know how to feel or, you know, what to feel or how to act. Um, they kept asking for their dad. I'm like, well, he's not here. So, you know, we still have to move because we're not going to be together. Um, and explaining it to them, they really didn't understand. I think my older ones understood but didn't understand. The younger ones didn't know anything because they right. were so young. Um, so we just grabbed our stuff, got in the van, and moved. Um, and that really made me feel like, okay, I'm totally on my own. Not thinking that God was still with me because he was still open the doors. But even when, um, you're, when you're going through those things, it's great to have somebody there to support you, right? Just in anything, in anything in life, whether it's good or bad, I may not agree with your your decisions or anything like that, but having somebody there just to support you, maybe not the decision, but you, is it, it speaks volumes because it means that's where the unconditional love comes in. Um, so that was my first taste of literally being by myself with my children, and we started this journey of like singlehood and being on our own. Um, I, we went to move in and then I had to start putting them in schools. Yeah. So we put them in schools and literally that's when I'm just going to say all hell broke loose. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it most definitely is going to break yeah. loose. Now you're doing something that you never did before. Yep. It's yep. absolutely foreign, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the fact that you have God and that you're saying like something that you said I thought was very key is that you're now walked into this place of singlehood with mm-hmm. five children. Mm-hmm. What in the world does that Would look you like? tell somebody? <laughs> you know, and, and it's amazing, you know, because we didn't talk about this off bar, but I got married at 19. Wow. So at 19, wow. I left out of a bedroom with my sister and mm-hmm. walked into a bedroom with my husband. I didn't yeah. know anything about Shayla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. then at 21, I started popping out babies. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, that, that was some challenge. So it was. let me ask you something. What do you feel um, in being a mother? Mm-hmm. How do you feel your mental health? How, how did that, or did you even know that there was a such thing as mental health, you know, and that um, it impacted you? I knew there was things as far as the mind, but as far as the health of your mind, I did not know. Yes. Um, and I'm going to say my mental health was not good 
because my mindset was every decision I made affected them. So I just couldn't make off the fly decisions, right? Right. Because everything I did affected them. So it wasn't good because it wasn't no, um, there wasn't any self-care or anything. It was just Yolanda needs to do what she needs to do for her children. I didn't think about myself. And I think with mother, as being a mother, we never think about ourselves. It's always our children, our families, our husband, and just being a, a woman, you know, it's about that piece, but not self-care. And you really can't take care of anyone until you take care of yourself. So I was burnt out a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yes, I was burnt out a lot. And um, at that point, we were, we were, we was not connected to the church yet. Um, Myself and my ex-husband had decided to leave our old church because it was time. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the mistake that we made was we didn't immediately get connected mm -hmm. to another church, to another shepherd, to another covering, because that's what church does. If you're in a true um, church community, church provides you with a covering and it provides you with community and family. And I, we didn't do that. So it was just me and the children. And I didn't have help from anyone. I didn't have help from my family. I didn't have help from his family to a certain extent. And I think they tried to help, but they didn't know what to do. But it was also the thing of, because um, we were taught not to divorce and all those different things. It was also the shame of that, but also being uh, criticized for doing that, you know? And it's like, yeah, I don't got time to deal with that. I'd rather just do it on my own. Like, you want to talk about me or whatever, I'm just gonna focus on my children. So my mental health was not good because there was no self-care. And what I thought was self-care um, wasn't because I became immediately um, promiscuous. And um, it wasn't good. Like, I felt like, okay, I'm 29. I haven't done nothing, nothing for myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like everything's been about, it was about the father and them or even during the marriage, it was about them and the father, so it was really no time for me. So at, when, when I became um, in this journey of singlehood and uh, single motherhood, it was like, um, I became promiscuous. So I felt that I was doing some type of self-care, but it really wasn't. Um, but it, it was like, I'm doing this for myself. But it was so many things that happened, promiscuous led to, because I wanted to feel loved and, you know, I felt thrown away and rejected. So all these branches from the root of rejection came out of being um, very sexually active. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. glad that you, you touched on that and that you were okay with being transparent because I mm -hmm. think as women, you mm -hmm. know, we just move motherhood out the way. We struggle so much as women, we right? Do. Learning our identity, who we yeah. are. Yep. And what we did was we kind of imitated what the world says uh -huh. who our identity is. And so yeah. when we became, when I became in Christ and once I had a relationship with Christ, I realized like, hey, this identity that I self-made was never who I was supposed never, to be. Never, never. You know? And so as you said, you became, you know, a bit promiscuous, you know, as you had learned like, hey, 
I can do what I want to do. I want to mm-hmm. feel good and mm-hmm. I'm doing what I got to do. But there's a yeah. price to be paid for that. You know? Oh, for sure. I paid every price. <laughs> you know, and so if, if I could share with other women, like, don't make those mistakes that we made. Yeah, for That's sure. Like one of the reasons why I wanted to come up with a mother summit, because this is a place, a platform where we all can talk and just be transparent and that mm-hmm. we can learn from one another. And sure. just the plot of the enemy was to get us so off course and so deeply wounded that we could never be healed. True, true. And that's a straight lie from the enemy because he's the father of lies. So that's a straight lie from him. And we can be healed. One, we have to want to be healed. That's key. You can't keep keep holding on to this victim mentality. That's right. Um, Yes, it happened. We're not... um, making small of that it didn't happen. We're acknowledging it happened, but it's like, okay, now what? Are you gonna stay? Right, what you gonna do? Like, are you gonna stay here? And staying here really means you're going backwards because um, you don't stay anywhere. You either move forward or you go backwards. You, it gets better or it gets worse. You have to make the choice. Am I gonna take the proper steps to be healed from this? And healing looks different for everyone. Jesus and counseling goes together. (laughs) And thank you for saying that. Yeah. Hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. And so, Um, yeah. With the healing, everybody doesn't know that they need to be healed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm. So, like, how can we as mothers and as women stress the importance of? you know, getting some help and really recognizing that this is not normal behavior because as you stated, you know, you want it to be loved. And so when someone is satisfying the flesh, you're feeling a, a sort of void, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. soon after that's over with, there's still a void that still hasn't been met. Yep. Cause after all of that, I still was like, you know, I did the club and I literally did it for probably less than a month, mm-hmm. like party, whatever. And I was like, People do this every week. <laughs> like, there's nothing more. <laughs> so, if you're real with yourself, you know yourself. You know when things are not right with you. The issue, the, the reality is, are you going to accept and acknowledge, I need to do something about it? Because that's really what it is. Are you going to, you know, for a fact, when you're not doing the things that is best for you, I think, I don't want to say doing things that are right, because that can look different for, uh, uh, depending on your situation. But what is the thing that's best for you? And is it yielding and producing the result that's beneficial? Absolutely. And I think that was key because you wanted to yield a result that, you know, mm-hmm. that you want to see fruit from. Yep. Exactly. And so I think that brought some light to me because at the time I had two little girls. Oh, wow. And so I kept thinking like, if I'm doing this, then, you know, I don't want my kids to have to pay for my, mm-hmm. for my wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I had in my mind that as long as I don't expose my children Yes. And as long as they don't see what's going on, it's all uh, it's all good. <laughs> and it's so not. <laughs> it's so not. The yeah. Lord started dealing with me and said that, you know, what you do in private, 
it'll still be exposed. It will. That residue of that thing yes. will and still be exposed if you don't deal with it. Yes. And residue, if you think about residue, residue comes down. Mm -hmm. whoever's under you whoever's connected to you that's right it's that residue whether it's good or bad you know what i'm saying it gets that residue so you have to um when you're making these that's why i said i make decisions it will always be how it affects them right so and my children when i tell you everyone had their problems all five of them went crazy at the same time <laughs> um the younger ones i think they were too young to really like know what was going on, but those first three, oh my God, my first one just went into this. Um, he started like taking my car and just driving with no license, um, getting in trouble in school. That second one got around the wrong, wrong people, um, um, did drugs and um, was acting up in school. That third one, my girl, literally behavior problems instantly. Because what I didn't mention was when we, um left their dad wasn't involved he chose he made the decision not to be involved and still not involved to this day and that's okay yes. um but i didn't know how to deal with that because i kept saying you have full access to them um he was a great father great father until he wasn't yes he was a great husband until he wasn't right um so they went from seeing their dad every day having that relationship with him to not having anything at all. So they, it was all these things they were dealing with, you know? Um, and I'm just trying to stay afloat. <laughs> we just trying to keep our head above water <laughs> and not drown. So we went through so all these different things. And then in 2011, I believe, we got connected to a house. We got connected to a crook. And maybe a couple months after that, the pastor, the shepherd of the house, he's like spoke a word to us and he was like, I'm gonna take that oldest child and bring him under my arm, mm. which was what he needed. He needed a father, right? Um, and he took him, bought him under his arm. He said, every time you see me, you see him. He's gonna come sit with me. He's gonna, so he literally took him under his arm. And and so that's how my oldest started changing. Like, you know, and the but the rest of them did not because they, they still didn't have anyone. He just took the one, right? Um, and later I realized, he realized, cause he told me, he said, I didn't know I needed to take all of them in, yeah. right? <laughs> he was like, I was just dealing with the first one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel any kind of way about that because people don't have to take you in. People don't have to do anything for you. So if you took one of my children, I was grateful for that. Absolutely. You showed up. So, um, I think they were sort of a little jealous and felt like, I don't even want to say jealous, it just felt left out because he was getting all the attention and they didn't have that. Right. So we went through more ups and downs and all of those different things. And then my daughter, um, she started just uh, self-harming and um, becoming more aggressive, you know, those, those words that they use. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so they started um, calling the ambulance on her and putting her in behavior. Um, and that lasted, and she just came more angry because she was angry and she was mad that her dad wasn't there. So she was just going through all of these ups and downs with life. And I'm like, okay, I'm just one person. <laughs> yeah. And all of this stuff is hitting me. Like I said, the younger ones, 
the last two, which are my youngest boys, they were still too young. Um, the first three was like, whoa. Um, so I'm dealing with all of this stuff. I'm dealing with my oldest, dealing with the middle child. And then I'm dealing with my third, my third daughter, uh, my daughter, the third one. And it's like, I don't know what to do. And I think what the people around me didn't know what to do because they've never been in it before. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. What do you do? <laughs> and, and did you feel, um, I think we touched a, a, a bit about this, but I felt the scrutiny. I felt the criticism. I yes. felt the judgment. Yes. Of, you know, you should be doing this and yeah. you need to do this and you yeah. need to respond this way. And they didn't have a clue. They were they didn't have a clue. So quick to judge. And I think out of that 14 year span of going through with my daughter, with the hardships, I learned one thing. If I didn't learn anything else, don't judge a book. Huh. <laughs> don't judge a book and don't say so true. what somebody didn't do. Don't mm -hmm. say what somebody didn't try. Because yeah. I brought my daughters up in church. They knew the word of God. Yeah. Um, and not just church, right? Because I don't want to do just church, but I right. wanted them to have a relationship with God. Correct. And, Correct. Um, and I did all of that and I, I dotted my eyes and crossed my teeth. Mm -hmm. And the Lord blessed me, such as yourself around a community of people that love my children and me. Yes, yes. And they would- It's so them. important. Yes. And they so took important. them under their wing. And then you still like, I'm doing everything right, Lord. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Yes. <laughs> I mean, what? Did I just get fun or what? Yeah. That was, a. it was like a couple of dividing, defining moments for me. Um, before all of this happened, um, my ex-husband and I was, I'm going through so much. Mm -hmm. Like we were just in this bout in our marriage and we were already married a good 15 years, 14, 15 years, but we couldn't, we couldn't, we just couldn't get on the right page. Mm -hmm. And there were four words I will never forget um, that defined it for me, that light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. He said, Lon, I will never change. Mm. And that it was like, ding, 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 yes. ding, ding. Yes. you cannot change anyone but yourself. If someone tells you they will not change, believe them. Because at that moment, that's what the, they believe. That doesn't mean eventually they won't change. But at that very moment, that's what he said. And that's when everything changed for me. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm doing all of this, trying to save our marriage, you know, doing, putting in the work, but I'm the only one putting in the work. It's like two people in a relationship, no matter what relationship, putting in the work. So that was a defining moment for me. And also, um, when you said that people were judging you and criticizing you, um, literally God had to tell me, you do what I tell you to do. Yes. Right? Because I'm going to connect you with the people and I'm going to, you know, I, I literally got um, talked about so bad, not just from people around me, like family and things, when I decided to put my daughter in a, a residential facility. And um, they was like, only way that, because they had gotten so bad, the final moment with my daughter was when she tried to commit suicide again. And it was just to the point that she, um, it was something so minor that happened that would trigger her, like minor things would trigger her. 
and she was the only girl, like, and she still is the only girl. <laughs> um, but she's like, she was the daddy's girl, all the attention and everything. But she was the only girl, she did have a lot of attention. And she, it was like minor things that would trigger her. So it was like, mom, we, I couldn't watch the television, he won't let me watch the television. I'm like, okay, I'll deal with it when I get home. But when I got home, everybody was asleep. So I was thinking, you know, everything was okay. But my daughter had a mentor she was hanging out with and she was like, she's on her way. So I'm trying to wake my daughter up. Nothing. I'm like, you know, get up, we're tapping her, get up, nothing. So my son, my oldest son, he's real tall and big. I was like, pick her up. He picked her up, she dropped back to the floor. I said, go get some water. I said, I'm like splashing it in her face, nothing. When I say like totally immobile, nothing. I was like, okay, call the ambulance. Like, let's let's get her out. Let's. So they came, I followed them to the hospital. She like took all of these pills for, uh, for overdose and had wow. to pump her stomach out, pump her stomach out. And I'm sitting here terrified, literally terrified. Mind you, I was in church and had the relationship and, you know, relationship with God. Still pretty much doing my own thing um, because I still hadn't recognized that I was a valuable person. I just wanted to be loved. I didn't recognize that. So I was still, you know, dealing with one, maybe like one person because I felt that was my time. Yeah. Like this is the only thing I have. I don't got nothing else because <laughs> yes. everything else I pour into them. Um, so at that, at that moment, then they had to transfer her to Lori's. We went to Lori's. And I was like, well, what can I do? Because we had been through so much. Um, my daughter was cutting herself. She was um, hitting her head against things. She was harming herself. She would take like um, little pieces of sharp things, a paper clip, a staple, a staple, and harm herself. And we was going through all of these things, multiple hospital stays, multiple hospital visits back and forth, BCFS, all of this, like it was a big thing. So at this moment, it was December 31st, 2014. We're sitting in um, Lori Children's Hospital. And before this, one of the DCFS workers told me, she said, if you do not remove her from your home, we we're gonna take the rest of your children. Yes. Right? I know about that. <laughs> and I was like, wait huh like i'm trying to first of all i don't have no help <laughs> the system is not working for us right, right? and um, another worker told me she was like miss walker you're gonna have to lock her out of your home and when you lock someone out of your home a child um at a hospital they immediately they're in the state of the they in the care of the state they become um a part of the state war become go right into DCFS. So I'm sitting in this hospital and I'm crying and I'm like, Lord, what am I doing? What am I, I don't know what to do here. And I heard it clear as day. He said, give her her way. I'll take care of her so I can give her back. And I'm like, oh Lord. Like, you want me to give her away? Like, lock her out? Like, he was like, I'll take care of her. And yeah. I'll give her back. <laughs> that, let, let me stop you there. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a challenging place to be? Because now, 
we learn as mothers, well, we've learned how to trust the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. How to parent our children. Yeah. But it's another thing, like we, we trust the Lord, we're getting the kids to school and back, and we trust the Lord for helping us pay our bills, and we trust mm -hmm. the Lord for providing for our home. Yeah. But to say, to give my baby, mm -hmm. let my baby go through some stuff, mm -hmm. that's a struggle. In it's a, yeah, oh, that's real. It's because you you have all of these emotions happening. You feel you failed as a parent. Yes. You failed as a mother. Like, why would I give my, my child to the state? You know, I can do this. I can handle this. Yeah. Because, you know, we feel we can handle everything. We can conquer the world. <laughs> oh. And we can, but we conquer the world through help, through resources. Yeah. And help and resources look totally different, you know, than what we think it should be. Sometimes it's totally different. Mm -hmm. So when he said that, he said, I will take care of her. And I said, okay. So I'm sitting in this hospital. And I asked them before I did anything, I said, um, we need help. I don't know what to do. And pretty much they were like, well, we're just gonna get her stable. And that's it. No counseling, no nothing. We're just gonna get her stable. <laughs> and we're releasing her. And I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Like, how do I handle this? Well, we can give you, um, numbers of services i already had those numbers they didn't do anything you know and so i said okay so they called me it happened like over a weekend and they like called me that tuesday and they was like okay you can go pick her up i said no i will not be picking her up i will be locking her out of my home she's not allowed to come back to my home and they was like miss walker well do you know what that means you know I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, that means we're gonna have to um, call DCFS. And I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I understand that. I said, you do what you need to do on your end, but I'm stating that she can't come back. And it was like, okay. So I had to go to the hospital, sign all of these papers, do all of these different things for her. And it was like, are you sure you wanna do this? And I was like, yes. Um, she stayed in the hospital. She stayed in Lourdes for five months on their um, child behavioral health um, place. And then she um, moved. They finally found her a residential place. It took five months <laughs> to find her that. Mm -hmm. And um, she went there. It's like country, south, <laughs> them boondocks. Yes. And she stayed there for. I'm gonna say five years. And we went through everything imaginable in those five years. And so once we did that, um, last year, God started um, dealing with me. And I was involved, I was like the most involved parent. They was like, Ms. Walker, no parent does what you do. <laughs> like you're consistent with her. I'm like, well, I'm a mom. Right. Like that's my daughter, that's mine. And it's on me about her success. And I kept saying she was gonna be successful. It didn't matter what was happening. I kept speaking God's word over her. She's the righteousness of God. She's the head and not the tail. Yeah. Um, she's fearfully and wonderfully made. My children shall be successful everywhere. And people was like, huh? 
I'm like, no, that's really in the word. <laughs> like, and you don't know that if you don't read the word. <laughs> you know? Yes. So I, I that was literally my confession. And I'm not saying it was easy because it was just one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Absolutely. Did you have someone, Yolanda, walk by side, uh, alongside of you as you were going through this? Or was it just you and Jesus? It was me and Jesus for most of the part of it. Um, a part of that big, I want to say a part of it was shame and guilt. I was embarrassed that this was happening. I was embarrassed that I don't want people to know what was going on, right? So a lot of, of me walking by myself was embarrassment and shame. Once I came out of, and it went all of a sudden, it was like little steps of getting out of shame and embarrassment. And I was able to swallow my pride <laughs> and ask for help for myself, that, that um, mental health that you need from others and ask for help for, you know, my children. That's where it became a little easier. Um, I would say my, my sister right above me and my brother right under me walked out a lot of things with me as well. We would talk and have conversations and they were there. My other family members didn't understand what I was going through. It's, uh, my mom definitely didn't understand. I think she understood to a certain extent if she went through some things with my dad. Um, but her walk and my walk was different. She stuck it out with him. She stayed with him and walked through all of the things that that he he had. Right. My I couldn't walk it that way because I had other children. And it was like either take her completely and lose the other ones. Or lose all of them, <laughs> yeah. or get her the help that she needs, and still try to do my best with them. You know, absolutely. Um, um, I, I'm sorry, I think that's so important to mm -hmm. you know have someone to do life with you. And I think just getting through the part of the shame and the guilt yes. that the enemy brings. Yes. For so long, I suffered, and so even with getting remarried to my husband now, um, mm -hmm. he didn't know anything. Uh -huh. going on in my home yeah and so the day we said i do and it was like the next day all <laughs> hell broke yeah up. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Was like uh oh what happened right what did i get into <laughs> <laughs> and then i still didn't tell people and then you know i heard of support groups you know that people connected me with at the church but it was still very different because it was my daughter was exposed to and that she was doing Nobody else in the group uh -huh. was doing that. Mm -hmm. so then the enemy was messing with my mind and telling me, you shouldn't say anything. Just be quiet. Don't yeah. talk about it. And so yeah. one day I said, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time. Yep. I'm going to yep. come and I'm going to tell the truth. Yes. And like you yes. said, put my pride away. Put your pride away. You and have that was to. The moment. Yes. That moment. Yolanda was a moment of freedom for me. Yeah. And no longer could I be held captive. To mm -hmm. this lie that the enemy tried to do will hold me in bondage. Yeah, I'm telling it. This is what she do, and this is what she do. <laughs> do this, and guess what? She still belong to me. Right? She's still mine. She's still mine. I'm, I'm not rejecting her. I'm not giving her away, tossing her away. And I think what you have to realize is that enemy does a great job at reminding us of our faults and yes. our flaws yes. and what we didn't do and what we did do that wasn't didn't look good and you know so he has a he's great at that he's like the mastermind 
of reminding you of your wrongs or your flaws. But even what you think is wrong, mastermind of that. And I had to walk out of, one, the church didn't know what to do. And that's okay and it's not okay because we need resources in our church community that helps deal with that. People are dealing with life. People yes. are dealing with mental issues. I think they've gotten better with it, especially with all the things that's happened for the year 2020. Yes. You know, there's some services being offered and they're dealing with mental health and things like that. Um, but when I was going through that, we didn't have none of this. So I had to go outside the church and I had to ask God to lead me to where we needed to be and provide the resources that we need. That, that went down to divine connections. And divine connections don't always mean in the church. It can mean God connects you with someone outside church that you need, you know, you need with that. And so um, I went to counseling, multiple counselors with myself, my daughter by myself, with my uh, family counseling. There was so many parts of that, you know, that needed to be done. Um, and so finally my daughter, she had went through some things last year and she wasn't with me last year. Like, until last year. And it was God's way. He told me she, now she has to come home. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm ready for that one. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> because I felt that I was going to go through the same stuff that we had been through before. We had went through so much. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. And so we, I tried to go around it. Like, Nope, let's all, let's see, can we put her in this adult facility, you know? Yeah. And everything came back to, it's time for her to bring, it's time to bring her home. So finally, we came to the point of, that she got into um, some altercations with uh, the staff there. And the staff, um, I'm gonna say that they set her up to fail. And the staff that was there to help her failed her i think they did the best that they knew how to do right and so that last thing was that she got into an altercation with staff and she became so defensive because of the, the situation that the staff put her in um she uh was fighting the staff and they were fighting her and just became this big blowout so the staff decided to press charges against her and she ended up in jail and I was like, what? Like, what happened? You know? And I'm up here and she's down there in the boondocks <laughs> a good hour and a half away. And I'm like, so I'm finding out what happened. I get all these pieces of the story. And then I don't care where my daughter's at in the world, she will find me and call me. <laughs> it can be anywhere. And she's, Finally, I got a call from her and she said, mama, this is what happened. And I would tell you, if anything, my daughter is not a liar. <laughs> mm -hmm. She, especially stuff like that. Right. And she was like, mom, this is what happened. I said, okay, don't, don't worry about it. We'll deal with it. I, I, I was still trying to go through the system to get her out and get her into this like adult facility. And then finally God said, again, it's time for her to come home. And they wasn't doing anything for her. They kept saying they were doing stuff, but they wasn't. So she sat in jail. She sat in jail. She sat in jail for three months. Wow. And I said, okay. 
I said, okay, God, I got it. I got it. So I started doing whatever I need to do. I'm calling lawyers. I'm calling everybody. Mm -hmm. I went down there. I took my laptop with me <laughs> for work. Sat in McDonald's on Wi-Fi, working, then working for her, trying to get things done. Got down there, got before the judge. Judge was like, you know, because she's right at this moment, she's 18. She's considered an adult. Yeah. So the judge was like, do you know what happened? Do you know what you did? And blah, blah, blah. She was like, yes. To a certain extent, she still didn't understand, you know? And so he was like, I feel that you're a threat. I feel that you to a society. And I was like, what? And he was being real harsh with her, like very harsh. And when I talked to the lawyer, her lawyer, he, he was like, this is before, he was like, um, everything's gonna go good. Like, we know what it is, but the judge like threw a monkey wrench and everything. He was like, nope, she has to stay here until we get, I guess the people, everybody that's supposed to be there involved. I was like, okay. So he called it the next day or whatever it was. I went back, told my boss I gotta go back. <laughs> And he did, once they told him what was going on, the judge, he changed everything. So he was like, do you know why you're here? Like his whole demeanor changed. He was like, well, do you know why you're here? And she was like, yes, because I did such and such and such. And he was like, he said, well, I just, I need to get more information. Mm -hmm. So he belonged to me again. I had already got a order from the judge up here to bring her back home. And he was like, nah, we can't do that. He said, we gotta wait, I gotta get all the facts. And I was like, so okay, Lord, it's all still working together for my good. Literally, that's all I was saying. It's all still working for my good. So I had to go back again. <laughs> and finally, the last day, he was like, okay, you're released. I was like, okay. Then had to go back up here to the judge because remember she was still under DCFS. Mm -hmm. Had to come back up here and go to the judge. And he was like, he talked to her, same judge we've been dealing with for years. Talked to her and he was like, he said, I, I, I believe you're gonna do well. And he said, you're no longer under DCFS custody and released her to come home. She sobbed and she cried so hard. That's when I realized that everything that happened affected her, her in a way because she, she felt like she was being snatched away from us. Um, and she was like, I'm going home. She's been home since August of last year and has been doing absolutely amazing. That is absolutely wonderful. <laughs> And all glory goes to God, right? All the glory. You hear me? I take no, I just, I just know everything was orchestrated by God. And she just, she told me just one night, she was just talking. She was just crying and talking. And the Holy Spirit said, just listen to her. God said, listen to her. And she was like, mom, she just literally walked through from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And she said, I just decided that's not the life I want to live. That's not something I want to do anymore. Right. 
And I was, and me, I was like, Lord, your word worked. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely, you yeah. know, in our last um, 10 minutes of talk, yes, 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 yes. Um, you have really told us so many different parts of mm -hmm. your life. Um, and that's not even all of it. Right. <laughs> and so we most definitely, um, I, I hope you will take the invitation to come back to Mother's Summit and, sure. and have another um, opportunity to just share with us. Um, because I believe your story, your testimony will help other mothers and realize that you're not alone. Because you yourself, Yolanda, you got married at 14. That's yep. a whole nother testimony <laughs> in itself, okay? It, it is. Okay? It is. So, you For know. Sure. Just to be able to help women and, and to empower mothers is yes. key because you said something that was true is that we as mothers take care of everybody else mm -hmm. and we don't take yep. care of ourselves. We do not. And so I learned and I got so angry one day. I went to a, an emotional bankruptcy conference. I didn't mm. know what that was. I didn't wow. know what it was I was walking into. Yeah. And the lady said, um, do you take care of yourself? And so I was looking around and I was like, raise your hand. When was the last time that you did something? I don't know. And she said, well, I blame you. And the people around you treat you the way you treat yourself. Yep. So, you know, you're like, wow, you look at these yep. things and you think we have to keep doing and doing and doing because we are mom. Yeah. Because we are in a situation that we had to play mother and father. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't really know how to juggle everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we had so much to deal with. Yeah, we did. We you know, did. but um, your story is powerful. Thank you. You are a blessing to me in a mother's summit. I appreciate it. And Thank so, you so one much last for thing, <laughs> no problem. One last thing I would love you to tell us as a mother what can we do? What can you say to empower us? Oh, wow. That's such a loaded question. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say first, have a relationship with God in your faith, no matter what, because um, we have all, have all different walks of life. Yes. So you got to have some type of relationship with God in your faith because it keeps you grounded. You would totally go crazy <laughs> if you do not do that. Mm -hmm. Second, create boundaries for yourself. Um, no is a complete answer and does not require explanation so create boundaries for yourself have those rest days even with your family your children all of them create boundaries um i think we don't know how to say no and no is the same in every language <laughs> and it's french no 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 it's no. the same right yes. um so that's true but also take care of you um exercise eat right like have those moments of meditation and peace walk the neighborhood um it can be like 15 20 minutes like a 15 minute walk creates these these things in your mind like these great chemicals and things are going off in your mind like yes she loves me <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's big because we as women don't take care of ourselves so eat right, exercise. And yeah, it sounds like cliche, but no, it really works. <laughs> go to your physicals, go to your annuals, <laughs> do all of that. Because we we stop taking care of ourselves. And then later on in life, we have all these health issues 
And it's because you didn't take care of yourself. So do that. Um, find time to hang out with your girls, you know. Um, and that, it, your girls can be a couple people. It don't have to be a whole bunch of folks. But find that time to do that. Um, do simple things, reading, singing, music, um, whatever hobby you like. Do those things. That, all of those things are self-care. And I would say the biggest part of self-care is rest. Schedule do-nothing time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Schedule do-nothing time. Time. Literally, do-nothing slowly. Do-nothing slowly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was some great advice for empowering mm -hmm. mothers on today. And we look forward to our next episode. Yes. Thank you.